previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. Oh, all. Well, they're all. Oh, all. Oh, right. All of us. Oh. It's not, you know, everyone. Jews from here and Jews yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah. Everybody. Right. Jews from over here, too. We play all kinds, both kinds of music. Country, country and Western. Yeah, exactly. it's like that. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that because I've had all these people say, you know, well, we want to be an Acts 2 community. And I always say, boy, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. That's, why would you want to be a church that's made up of all the same folks? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what people usually want. No, but, but we do, actually. We do, <laughs> actually. We want to be next. But they don't, they don't mean being honest. My argument is always, no, you want to be a Revelation 7 church. Right? Yeah. You want yeah. to be every tribe and every nation. and Or know, somewhere after Acts 10. So at least get past Acts 10. Yeah. Right? <laughs> where, where we've got everybody who's, who's welcome before the Lord. Everybody is standing in this community shoulder to shoulder. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. This week's episode, Bad Gumbo. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm Robert Wallace. And I'm Michael McKeever. You're not still Michael McKeever. You've introduced yourself as still Michael McKeever. We've had a... Hiatus. I forgot what. what, what that you're still Which podcast is this? The Life of the Mind podcast or the, or the other one we <laughs> this do? This is the This is the other podcast. Okay, okay. all right. That's the a good Bible one. podcast. That'll be good for today. So we hope that uh, the new year is is uh, getting off to a good start for you, as we are now at the second Sunday of Epiphany in our scriptures. And we'd like to congratulate the Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> On their victory uh, quite some time ago now. But, but it feels like it feels like, it feels like yesterday, <laughs> doesn't yesterday. it? It does. It, does. it feels like just yesterday. So this is, this is the fourth wall breaks, I'm sure, what people really appreciate about this podcast <laughs> is, is the, the, the moments. Well, we were thinking we should have a, a live feed of our setup in the hokey. It would be <laughs> the yes. hokey studio. We, you know, where mom sews the costumes and, right. and dad plays the instruments and, you know, we just mm-hmm. come together and put yeah. on a hoot nanny here. Yeah. So, but uh, once again, four scriptures from uh, one from Isaiah again, and the Psalms always, and then First Corinthians and John one. That's so, what I got too. Are we going to have to to rein you in on John one? Are we going to have? To, uh, how you long know, today's I podcast think the excitement be? from First Corinthians might spill over. Oh, really? So, <laughs> okay. We just have to watch the clock. I'm just. I, I should have practiced saying Sosthenes, though. I don't know that I'm going to be ready for that oh, when it yeah. happens. Yeah. It does, so. Yeah. You don't have any hard words in yours. Well, that's good. And it's an Old Testament passage. Yeah. Oh, well. That's true. I guess we've screwed around. Yeah, you know, we haven't had a lot of narrative. (laughs) No, we haven't. We haven't had a lot of narrative with characters, okay? Which is why I'm always asking about the plot also. Which is certainly interesting. I mean, the Old Testament, it's so much narrative. Um, Yeah. But uh, it's actually more poetry than people imagine, too. I mean... The, the prophets are all poetic. Yeah. Obviously, the Psalms are poetic. Um, so, of course, as long as we're in Isaiah, we're, we're writing in poetry here. So, And yet the narrative had this ongoing impact, the, the, kind of the birth of modern narrative. That's true. To, to respect to... And, and interesting, person. the choices Israel made in that regard, where everyone around them was using poetry to describe their national origins or creation or oh. flood. Huh. And for some reason, the Bible said, no, we're going to use narrative Someone for that. said, let's dream together. You know, let's dream together. <laughs> let's think about narrative. I know everybody's doing, stay with me. Yeah. I know everybody's yeah. doing poetry okay. these now days. We're going to set ourselves apart. Narrative. From the nations. Ooh, good plan. Mm, so, intriguing. <laughs> tell All me right. more. But we have a lot of poetry today. We do. Right. All poetry today. All right, let me read Isaiah 49, 1 through 7. Okay. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. 
The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. Well, which is it? (laughs) And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers, kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Yes. Another servant song. (laughs) As I said earlier, there's a lot of good verses in there. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, that boy, that book of Isaiah. How do they connect? There's a lot of good verses in <laughs> like that Romans. book of Isaiah, all these boy. good verses. In we it. can just pull these out. Oh, so much to talk about. Um, but um, He this, didn't make him like a sharp sword when he was in his mother's womb. No, I don't. Or an arrow, right? <laughs> I guess you need to talk to his mother. I've labored in vain. Um, but this, what is interesting about this one, and I alluded to this in the previous, I don't know, seven podcasts when we mentioned the sermon. Um, just <laughs> Come feels, on. feels that way. Own it. Uh, is that, it's good stuff. It is. I've it got is. a lot of stuff to talk about the servant. Okay, well, I imagine so. Um, but this is the one place where he, well, in one place, this is one place where the servant is explicitly identified uh, as Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are always wanting to pick out who yep. the servant is. Is mm-hmm. it is it the Isaiah the prophet? Is it another prophet contemporary? Is it Jesus in foreshadowing? But here, literally in 49.3, it says, you are my servant, Israel, in mm-hmm. whom I've glorified. And that's that's not the only place. In Isaiah 41, it, it calls Israel servant. In 43, it calls Israel servant. In, I think, 44 and 45, it calls Israel and Jacob, actually. Well, Jacob is servant, I think, in 45, and Israel is chosen. But it's the same, same idea here, um, that Israel is servant. And, and I think that... It, the better way to think of it here would be less thinking of the nation as a whole and more thinking of the faithful in Mm -hmm. Israel. Right. The ones who were committed to Yahweh, who suffered as a result of this exile um, and have been taken to Babylon and have labored in vain and spent their strength and stayed committed to God for absolutely nothing. But now they're they're the ones who So it's it's identifying the servant with Israel, but that it's also in 49.6 talking about a servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. So right. kind of like um, individual remnant. Remnant is, I think, a, a way mm-hmm. to think of it. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that remnant of Israel that was remaining faithful, that has restored Jacob. And that's too little. I mean, just to bring Jacob back. Yeah. I mean, I'm, God's like, I'm yeah. not even, you know, that's... Wait, there's dream, more. Dream bigger with <laughs> me here. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. not you're not really thinking through right. this. It's not enough. You are not only going to bring Israel and Jacob back, but mm-hmm. the light to the nations. And, and, and you get, I think, this image of God's vision and mission for Israel from the beginning, which was to, you know, we have the story in Genesis 1 through 11 of God dealing with all of humanity and that not going so well, right? Humanity just is mm-hmm. further and further yeah. away by the end. Right. 
Um, Even after the reboot. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, we reboot in the flood and everything. You've got, you know, God walking with the man and the woman. You've got God talking to Cain. You've got, uh, and, the, and Cain talking back. You've got God talking to Noah, but Noah never speaks to God. And then finally, by the end of that, you got God talking to himself. He doesn't even have oh, any, God doesn't even sort of let us go down and see. And so humanity seems to be getting further and further away. And so God's like, no, we're doing something else. We're going to do a whole new, whole new, whole new plan here in Genesis 12. We're going to pick a, a person, bring a nation out of this person, huh. and that's the way we redeem the world. So when they're building a tower to heaven, God has to... Come go down. down. Yeah, that's a, I love that. And, that he has to, and he's talking to himself. He talks to God. So they're not yeah, reaching. Case. They can't even. They're, they're, huh. We're going to storm the gates of heaven to huh. reach the edge of creation, right? And God can't even see where. Let's go down and see what they're doing. I can't even see what they're doing from where. Remote. The yeah. conversation is more. Oh, yeah, yeah very remote stuff. there. And so yeah. now. This is part, God you know, is talking about this plan, this Abraham plan, right? We're going to bring this nation out. That's the way we're going to reach the world. Mm-hmm. Israel ends up becoming very concerned with self and not looking yes. to the world. And so God says, you know, bringing Israel's back is just part of the plan. Yeah, we're going to bring Israel back, but we're doing it again, as I originally envisioned, to be a light to the nation that salvation may reach the It's like an infomercial of the earth. more and more. more. <laughs> but Good. wait, you'd well, pay for this. Wait. You'd pay for Israel, right? Just raise up the tribes of Acre. Not enough. No. No, no, no. What? No, no, no. Tell me more. I'm intrigued. And I do think it's that the relational picture you get in 47, where Yahweh, the redeemer of Israel, that word redeemer, that goel in Hebrew, that the kinsman redeemer, the one who's who's going to come and buy you out of debt and, and get you out of prison and, and take care of that, that, that fam, familial obligation that you have to that person, the one that Job was desperate for, that never showed up for Job, that, that you want to, to, to get you out of this, that God is the one who's going to do that uh, and take care of the deeply despised and the one abhorred by the nations and, and, and lift you up and has chosen you to be that light to the nations. So, again, God looking after the one that no one cares about, right? God looking after the... And I'm going to read yeah. this in this context yes. as the faithful ones, that remnant who suffered because of the decisions of the the pious, stupid ones. <laughs> Does it ever use that language of faithful ones? Um, no. Because I'm thinking about connections to the New Testament. Yeah, no, no. But I, I th- it doesn't use it explicitly. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't want – I don't think we'd be comfortable calling all of Israel – well, this is Paul, right? Not yeah. all who call themselves Israel are Israel. No. Um, and I think that's what we have here, right? We've got an Israel that's restoring Israel. Right. You're my servant, Israel, but just restoring Israel is not yeah. enough. Yeah. So I think it's we run into some... that in John too. Then then Jesus spoke to the Jews. Well, isn't everyone Jewish? <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. And then that's the a, Jews came. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so what are what are what are Jesus if that's not the case? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, so, yeah. Israel. Well, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> I won't skip to the end though. Okay. So so that's what yeah. I, that's yeah. what I'm seeing going on here. It's good stuff. Shall I read Please. Psalm 40? Read Psalm or, yeah. or yeah. I could mix it up and read the lyrics to a U2 song. Would that, uh, or, you know, let's do both. Let's do both. I, I'm more ready for Psalm 40 uh, than this I is, am it's, U2. It's the same so. thing. Same, they have a song okay. based on this. You've heard that, right? Psalm uh, 40? I don't think so I have. No, early U2 huge, album. I'm not a yeah. huge U2 fan. Well, I'm a they, little, little U2 fan. They big U2 swipe fan. scripture sometimes, and they have one called 40, and it's basically Psalm 40. And it's Psalm 40. Yeah, not interesting. All, but. All right, Psalm 41 to 11. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up to the de- from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. 
Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Here I am, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Yes. This this is one of the times when the lectionary makes me a little sad. Hmm. <laughs> because oh, yeah, is that a little tear? It is. is a little, little bit, a little bit. Because this is part of a big psalm. Yeah. And and it's an interesting psalm in that it's it's a two-parter. And they already started part two, right? And no, this, oh, not oh, yet. Oh, I thought maybe 11 well, did. Usually one through 11 is okay. the, right. the big, but maybe. I mean, okay. it's... The, the first half is what we have here, right? The first half is the, um, the this great Thanksgiving psalm. Um, and then the second half is lament. Yeah. Um, yeah. And entreating God to save. And so um, there's some, you know, scholars who say, well, you know, two psalms got stuck together and scribal yeah. error. You know. that. <laughs> it's yeah, one of those right. kinds of things. Um, I, I love it. It's not uncommon to have praise lament back to back. Um is it that order? Praise and then lament? Sometimes. Or, sometimes. Okay. Psalm 9 and 10 are put together and have that kind of... In fact, But I mean, within a, within a lament, which, which sometimes ends usually in Thanksgiving? The lament, yeah, usually laments end in Thanksgiving and praise. Although occasionally you'll see, you know, oh Lord, the God of my salvation is Psalm 88. I mean, that's the darkest lament you have in the Bible, and it opens with Thanksgiving, or, you know, with that level of praise, so... Oh. Um, I'm mental note darkest lament. Yes, yeah. I was <laughs> check that out. I was have three darkest passages of scripture: Job three, Jeremiah twenty, Psalm eighty eight. Yeah, Psalm eighty eight is the only lament. By the way, not in the lectionary. By the way, so oh, okay. so we won't get a chance to talk that about that dark. Uh, okay. Psalm eighty eight is a um, it's the only psalm that doesn't have a moment of happiness or trust in it. Wow. Yeah. All the rest of them finish with something like, "But I know you've heard me. But hmm. I know you'll answer yeah. me. But I know God okay. will save me." Psalm 88 ends in darkness. The last word is darkness. Yikes. In psalm. Yeah. But this, we're, in, we're happy here, right? We have this, you know, I waited, yeah. I waited patiently. And let's see, patiently, that's, that's one of those unfortunate translations. It's it's more, it's expectantly, I think, more than patient. You know, pa- we think of patient as, mm. you know, we th- there's not a, there's a sense in which with that word that you feel like it's going to happen kind of thing. But we open with this, this word of, I waited expectantly, expectantly for the Lord. And I should also point out, not addressed to God here. So oh, verse one okay. is actually addressed to I don't know people around him to human beings. Okay, um, it's it's you know this third person. This first it's a testimony. It's Maybe a, he's giving testimony. Like it he is. Keep saying it is. It's an act of testimony. Um, I have um, not withheld testimony on this seat. Verse yeah. one. See exactly. <laughs> um, and and so you have this testimony. We have this death imagery. The desolate pit. The miry bog is, is always is these issues associated with death. Um, 
God places feet on a rock, which is that image of refuge you get mm-hmm. particularly early in the Psalms, very much on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, God gives us a new sound. It, anytime you have this Thanksgiving, it's it's often traditional to to uh, introduce this new. A, a rededication of Thanksgiving, a new new Thanksgiving too, right? I mean, oh, okay. it's, it's not just a Thanksgiving of uh, an old one. It's a new a new song too. It's not just the old stuff. He's still doing stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> excuse me. We don't have a cough button. How do we need a board to you know help us with that? We, we can edit that out. We put a pause in right now, and then we edit that out. Okay. Well, good to know. You can go backwards too. <laughs> um, the the many will see and fear. I always want to, I may have already talked about fear of the Lord, but it's worth talking about again. Um, fear of the Lord in the Psalms and this notion of fear, some translations try to hide it with, I don't know, revere or, or something like that. But but that doesn't get us to the the full sense of that word. Fear, there, there is an element of fear, right? It's that, that right. element I think of, we, we did about talk about this because you were talking about your, yeah. your teacher that you right. were scared of. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't remember which teacher you were that scared was the of. Third grade. third grade teacher that scared you, yes. Um, and so this notion of fear is this recognition of position, right? Third grade was like Psalm 88. Was it third grade was Psalm 88 for you? My brother's fifth grade was Psalm 88 for him. So you guys can talk about that sometime. (laughs) Um, but this fear is, you know, that's why it says many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's not, you know, oh my gosh, we should trust in God. Uh, it is many will see and recognize. Many will see and revere and put their trust. No, no, no. No. Many will see and recognize God is God and recognize that they aren't and therefore trust, trust in the Lord. Um, and then we get right into trust, right? You know, the happier those who trust in God that you don't turn to the, to the, the, the Rahabs, uh, the proud, um, which is also the word. The, is that what that word? Yeah, it's oh. Rahabim. Oh, yeah, it's okay. a, it's huh. yeah, Rahab's. Okay. Um, the thought of his false gods could be connected to uh, to Egypt and other places. Yeah. And those who go astray after um, most trans, some translations have false gods. It's really the Hebrew word for lies um, or falseness. It's sometimes used oh. of gods, but it could simply be lies there. Um, so don't trust after lies. Trust so I've, I've got to slow down for that. Rahab. Rahab. Got a character named Rahab. Yeah, that's not that character. Okay, and Egypt is referred to as it Rahab is, often. Yes. And, and then it, 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 the root is shared with the proud. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, and and um, it's sometimes used as a metaphor for chaos, oh. uh, as a primordial chaos image. Wow. Um, I think Psalm 89 does that, huh. where it uses it as a, as a primordial chaos image. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so. Fascinating. So don't turn to to chaos or proud or mm. Egypt mm-hmm. or it's always bad to turn to Egypt. Yeah, Egypt's always bad. Going the wrong way. You're always going the wrong direction. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, all these great deeds that God has done. Um, I do think uh, it's fascinating that we tie this to Torah, right? In in verse forty, or excuse me, forty verse eight, your law is within my my heart. Your Torah is there. You know, we don't think about law. Yeah. Yeah. positively like that but but law is the same as fear of the lord law is you know god has given god's teaching god has given god's instruction god's torah those are all synonyms teaching and instruction and torah uh we translate it law but i much prefer teaching and instruction um for how to live and yeah. so i have hidden your way of of, of living in my seat of my decision making, which is what the heart is. The right. heart is, you know, the, where you make your decisions from. So it, your bowels are where you feel emotion. Your heart's where you make decisions from. And so I, I've, I am proceeding in my life following your instruction. I've not hidden that 
in my heart. I've not hidden those words there in the sense that I've not kept it from others. Mm. I, I'm not I'm not privately pious, but live a different way in the world. I, I'm okay. actually living out yeah. this and spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. And the reason I like the reason that the lectionaries made me sad, and I like this <laughs> that 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 I would like to read all of the psalm that today but, oh. is because. It's the selectiveness. It is. It, it is. Okay. And, and, and breaking up a canonical bit, that's yeah. what troubles me here. A discrete unit I don't mind, but yeah. cutting a psalm in half makes me sad. Well, and then our Bibles do that all the time. They do. With the publishers. And the headings. Yeah. I always the, none of the chapters or verses are original, and then the headings. R- remind the students that the, that the headings are not inspired. They are uh, <laughs> editorial no, choices. No. So. Nor are they the same from Bible to Bible. Exactly. Um, but what is, I think is happening in this Thanksgiving is we're building the case for the lament that comes afterwards, right? I, you've been there for me in the past. Oh, okay. I'm oh, okay. grateful I to see. you. I, I haven't hidden this word in my heart. I've treasured it. You've called me to be the king of this world. And this, it is this a buildup. Yeah, it's a buildup. And, and then you'll get the rest of the story. And so, so you know, then you get verse 12. Uh, Keep me safe forever for the evils have encompassed me, O God. Yeah. And where are you? And save me and, yeah. you know, deliver okay. me from all of this. My iniquities yeah. have overtaken me. I can't see. And more than the airs on my head and all the struggle that comes out. So he's really... It's a set. I mean, we can take it out of context and, and use it as a Thanksgiving psalm. Let's I, do that. I, I think that's easier. <laughs> sure, that's fine. But it is an interesting sort of building this case for, hey, God, I'm one of yours, yeah. right? I'm on your yeah. team here, and you need to take care of your own. It's just, and, uh, yeah. You know, don't forget. Let's me. review, see where, remember right. whose team I'm on. Exactly. Well, yeah. what does this mean at 47? Then I said, here I am in the scroll of the book that is written of me. Yeah, I mean, obviously the here I am, the the here I am is an interesting phrase. I mean, immediately, of course, I'm taken to Isaiah, right? The Isaiah 6. Yeah. Now I want yeah. to go to Isaiah. Yeah. Oh. The Isaiah 6 passage, um, here I am, send me. Um, no, and there it was, here am I. Well, <laughs> I believe okay. that it's Hineni in both cases. Okay. It's, yeah, it's uh, the same same Hebrew choice there. Um, but it is a um, – I think it could be a royal issue here. The scroll of the book is written of me. Um, remember, this is a Davidic psalm. That we don't read the oh, – we don't okay. read right. the, uh, the, the superscriptions here. Um, but the superscription is uh, to the music leader uh, of David, a psalm of David. We don't do that because we just critiqued that. We just do we? Uh, no, was that no, no, no. These, these are okay, canonical. These are canonical. <laughs> yeah, in fact, in fact, the headings are so canonical, if you will, they have their own verses. So if you have, dude, that is so canonical. So canonical. That's hard, dude. Canonical. Dude, that is so canonical. <laughs> that the uh, the the headings in the Psalms are That's often. Right, they have a. Their own verse. So if that throws us off, it throws the off Septuagint? several. Yes, yeah. the Septuagint throws you off, and and that's one of the for real, our audience. If you're wondering why you get thrown off in the Septuagint, that's, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's right. All those of you reading read, Septuagint, going, "Hey, how well, many emails do we get about oh that?" Oh my gosh, it's like every that's week. all anybody wants to talk it's about something. these days. All the kids are talking about the Septuagint, um, and yet yeah. they're getting off. But uh, but the other thing that throws you off in the Septuagint is that Psalm nine and ten are one Psalm. And so then the numbering is off in the Septuagint after you that. You are blowing my mind. I know, I know. But so, yeah, verse 1 in English, the I waited patiently for the Lord, is verse 2 in Hebrew. And so oh. when you're reading your Hebrew Bible, that's if you're going along with us at home, that's why you're off okay. by one verse there. Right. And we're confused when right. Mike referenced verse 7 because that's really verse 8. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. 
Yeah, that's so, good. That's good. Now, it's my understanding that people are stuck. That there would be no math, <laughs> but yeah, you need to you need to add one okay. uh, when you do all that. But yeah, I, I'm wondering if that's not a royal. Image well, that I'm there. wondering if people are are taking it out of context and reading this uh, some servant stuff in here. You know? Oh, like, really? Well, I like the people who arrange the lectionary. I do. I'm wondering oh, what they're doing. Oh, here. well, yeah, 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 those people. Those uh, the, the lectionary rangers. Yeah, we love slash those. Or, Made sad by sometimes. Lectionary Rangers. Yeah. That's what we'll call them. That's right. Yeah. Uh, maybe, right? In the scroll of the book is written about hard not to. Well, I'm like I'm like reading the, the other the other passages. I'm going, huh, what are they thinking here? Yeah. Where are they going with this? So Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's kinda like, you know, there's a second half to this, there's second half to the readings, right? That's true. There's a second there's a short a brief introduction, right? To God, we're talking about different sized introductions mm-hmm. in your office earlier. Uh, the New Testament, yeah, the New Testament readings. Um, uh, it's well, we'll get, we're going to be there in a minute, so it should be interesting. Okay. We have any anything else here that you see that uh, I can evade or sidestep? No, or no, skillfully obfuscate. Just, I, there's no way I'm going to trap you on some of this stuff. So I'm not, not even going to try. <laughs> uh, well, no. boy, are you not even trying? <laughs> it can't possibly be that hard. Yeah. So. I'm, Well, let us look at our new. Would you which would you rather do first? You want to do Corinthians? Or you want to do John? Yes, do Corinthians. Corinthians first. See if okay. we can make it through there. So, First Corinthians one one through nine. Oh, I know why we're talking now. It's mm-hmm. an introduction. You love the introductions. Well, that's one of your favorite. That's not things where ever. I'm going to go with this. Oh, really? Because because yeah. uh, something else caught my attention. All right. Well, then First Corinthians one verse one. Uh, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. I assume that the comma there means that it's also Paul and Sosthenes and not that Sosthenes called him along with God. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I mean, we don't think that he's called by Jesus by the will of God and Sosthenes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Because that puts Sosthenes in a Man, much higher no, place I that I've never, ever seen before. Sosthenes. Seems Sosthenes. like we should know more about Sosthenes yeah. if he had that kind of influence here. If yeah. God and Sosthenes yeah. were in. You know what? Little known. Let's call Paul. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. So we'll we'll say that the yeah, comma there comma. means that Paul and Sosthenes yes. are there. It changes the meaning. Yes. Two. The church of God that is in Corinth to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who are in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's no Sosthenes. There is no Sosthenes there yet. That would confirm our hunch. That's good. (laughs) I give give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God. Again, only to God. That has, again, no Sosthenes. That has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. You notice any key words there? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm so, I thought I was supposed to be asking the questions. <laughs> wow. I will ask the questions here. Grace came up a couple times. No? no oh, well. No. Spiritual gift? No, that is, uh, yeah. That's, that's important. There's, there's a lot going on. Pointless. You say that the introduction is the book. That's what you say, right? You say that in the introduction, you find the book in a nutshell. Well, you often do, yeah. And in the Thanksgiving, yeah. And so you have some Thanksgiving here. So he's going to, 
he's going to, I'm so glad that you guys are, have all these spiritual gifts of speech and knowledge going on, you know, it's like, oh, is it's going to come back to that. Is he passive aggressive here? Is that what this is? He's, 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 I think he's genuinely uh, positive about that. He's, he probably embraces that and uh, totally, but not in the way they do. <laughs> and also that you're not lacking any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which hasn't happened yet, Corinthians, because that's part of the error at Corinth is that oh. they think it's a, they, they're mixing and like a lot of things in Corinth, it's uh, mixing and max, matching. It's a smorgasbord. It's a it's a cultural gumbo, um, and like so gumbo. they are they're mixing gospel with uh, some Greek mystery religion, which that would be bad gumbo. Yeah, the bad the bad gumbo. bad gumbo. Bad gumbo. I think we have a title for, <laughs> for the podcast. Okay, bad gumbo, <laughs> or or a, or a really bad kid show, or something. I don't know. Um, um, Wow, I, that really threw me off. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's also my spiritual gift. Both of us are not functioning on much sleep. That was, of distraction. I don't know why we're thinking about the cubbies this far away from the victory. Right. Well, it just, anyway. it's like yesterday. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, so, like a lot in Greek thought and philosophy and, and religion, it's uh, matter is a bad thing, and spirit is privileged over oh, right. matter. And, right. and so salvation often in, involves becoming disentangled from matter, transcending matter. And so... At the end of uh, at the end of Corinthians, he spends an inordinate amount of time on resurrection of right. bodies and right? the importance of them. Bodies. Right? He spent the whole time he's talking about bodies, and every every occasion he can mention the word body, he brings it up. So is he uh, going to? And, and this, in my own ignorance here, is he going to be sort of countering that Greek notion that that body is evil in and of itself, and spirit is holy in and of itself only? All the way through? I mean, is that, is oh, that yeah, all yeah, the way yeah. through he's saying, you know? If, if you think about it, Paul's writing to them, writing to people who don't know how to live in a body, okay? Hmm. If you take uh, that body as an overarching term, like you guys don't know how to oh. how to live. You don't have balance between this this asceticism some of you are practicing. Because hmm. priv- when you're privileging spirit over body, it can manifest itself in asceticism and treat yourself hard, difficult and have a rock for your pillow and eat only certain foods and don't eat on certain days. Or libertine. Like, it doesn't matter what I do with my body. Because don't you have that revelation? I can do whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can sleep with whoever I want. And, um, and Paul's and, fighting both of those things. Yeah, he's, he's, both of those things are manifested. To, to the point Corinth. that, and now now you you blow my mind, to the point that now even the church he portrays as a body. Well, yeah. Which would be counter to a people that are, I mean, that's like flying in the, that's using an illustration that they're going to see as inherently a bad one, isn't it? In some ways. I mean, some he, of them are. He uses the, the term body over 40 times in this letter. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And so we read it in the context of, we traditionally read the Lord's Supper text, mm-hmm. or many traditions do, uh, Lord's Supper or Eucharist or communion or, or whatever you call it in your tradition. And you read about the body, and it's really corrective. It's not him, like, at leisure to reflect on the theology of communion. It's mm-hmm. like, let's put this fire out of Corinth. Mm-hmm. Like, And in that context... It is manifesting itself corporately. They don't know how to treat each other. Right. An institution that you, they don't know how to act toward people who are so different from them, whether that be uh, status or, or other things that separate people. And so they're separating off, and they're despising the body. And, and I'm, so yeah, so I'm just sitting here thinking he's using a metaphor to talk about the church that they're not going to, to some of them even, I don't want to say accept, but really get. I mean, that that 
why would you use, I mean, bodies are bad. Why oh, would you use yeah. that body yeah. to talk about the church? I mean, we know again, that, again, that again. this letter doesn't go well, right? I mean, that this letter or his this, visit. This, yeah, this ongoing uh, problem correspondence and relationship. Yeah. And so maybe, I mean, I wonder if that's that was part of the re- rejection there. Well, yeah, there's a there's a lot going on. And it's, and it's not always easy to disentangle it because they know each other so well. And Paul is often quoting back their own slogans of right. this erroneous theology. So it's... We don't have the air quotes when he's pointing out the absurdity of that. So there are places where we read him, he's, he's being sarcastic and absurd to the point of meaning the opposite. So, mm. um, See, I'm able, I have discovered, apparently, to, to cover that problem with my voice. I didn't realize this. But uh, just this week, uh, my son was studying with um, a girlfriend of his. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was speaking to someone. I said, where was he? I said, well, Daniel was uh, studying. Uh, with yes, his girlfriend yes, and Daniel said yes. stop it and I said what and he said you put air quotes with your voice <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so totally. if Paul only could have air quoted yeah. well, um, I'm sure, with well, the Corinthian slogans I, we would have this problem when I have my students read it I, there's uh, in the surrounding passage of the Lord's Supper text I say there's there's one verse where he means the opposite he has to mean the opposite He's, where he, he's got a sarcastic edge to him all the way through but he has to mean beyond that he has to mean the opposite so I want you to, you know, to discussion groups and then nominate verses. Yeah, okay? And then read them with tone. The yeah. I'll read them yeah. with tone. Yeah, read them with tone. And I'm up there and I'm going to be the Chris Farley motivational speaker. I'm going to do the big Giant air, air quotes, quotes with deep knee bends, okay? <laughs> maybe throw myself on the toffee table and crush it. if they. Wow. So, yeah, so they're given tone and I'm illustrating when they got the tone. And mm-hmm. and it, that's one of the challenges of reading uh, Corinthians is mm-hmm. the uh, the – the slogans of this erroneous doctrine that that uh, kind of has a diminished view or a, a pejorative view of body. Okay. And so, you know, like we said, there's they don't have chapters and verses or in the original. Right, of course. But if you did talk about length of topic as a chapter, First Corinthians thirteen on the resurrection is the by far the longest chapter of Paul. 15. So, First uh, Corinthians fifteen, yeah, yeah. is the, the longest chapter of any of. Paul's letters, so that's a he spends so much time on He's that. He's building to yeah, that, yeah. He? And normally he talks about death and resurrection together. When he talks about Christ uh, at the beginning of Corinthians, he just talks about the cross, and then because he, he's saving to talk about the resurrection at the end uh, for a very long uh, extended period of the letter. So, mm. body is uh, crucial in a lot of these, but that's not the thing that blew my mind this oh, okay. week. Okay, what what um, I was reading, and I think it's one of these things about reading things in in um, context of other readings in the lectionary mm-hmm. is this suffering servant, and then this call language. I didn't notice how much of that call language was there. But Paul's call is narrated four times in the New Testament. And he uses um, suffering servant language to talk about himself. About his own call. Yeah. Really? And also to talk about the church as fulfilling that role. So what's Called to the, be saints. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's not just here, but so like in uh, in Acts, you have four narrations of his call, and then he narrates it again in Galatians. And I've heard other people have written on how how much of his theology is wrapped up in that mm-hmm. call. Mm-hmm. And so I, I said, I know I've got a book on that, and I've also read an article uh, a while back. So I so I scanned that article, and I was thinking about I was making these connections I wasn't normally making. Because Acts is written by Luke, and mm-hmm. you know, but this spills over these overlaps and also d- differences between uh, Paul's letters and, and Luke Acts, where Paul 
features so prominently in the second one. But um, uh, his call and his way of reading scripture and reading even suffering servant language in this extended sense that we've talked mm-hmm. about, it's like there's this, there's this uh, primary referential uh, yeah. meaning that I'm always having to ask you about. Right. Um, but then there's this uh, fullness, or, or how do you express it? Uh, this, this secondary application, yeah. or this uh, broader, t- you know, this tele- teleology. Yeah. This, this is more. Uh, ultimate fulfillment of this to, to mm-hmm. happen. So um, Luke is one who talks most explicitly about Jesus as a suffering servant. Mm-hmm. Okay? But then you also find that stuff associated with Paul. And so what people say, here's what here's what blew my mind earlier. Uh, I was reading about, I, I talk about Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus mm-hmm. and how that imagery that's associated with that shows up in almost all his letters. But that's also a place that what this article is saying where he's radically having to interpret how he reads scripture, particularly right. suffering servant. Ah. Well, uh, well, one that's the one that I was focusing on. And I'm thinking, wow, a conversion of reading scripture on the road. I'm thinking that sounds very Lucan. I'm thinking there's usually a parallel in, mm-hmm. in the gospel. And, the, and Luke's gospel ends on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus draws along, and, and he unpacks scripture. all of Scripture as pointing to him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like, wow, that's that. There's so many parallels that that it's an intentional way of writing on Luke's part between Luke and Acts. I never saw that one before, mm. and also the hermeneutic, the hermeneutic, how that's like uh, on the road. That's like the question is, where did Paul get this new way of reading Scripture? Right. And um, people have done extensive studies on how it goes back to his call and how he unpacks that. So he, in, in some sense, understands himself as um, he identifies with or embodies the work of the suffering servant, not exclusively, but in his identification with Christ, and also extends that to, to the church. To the church, it's like there is so much to chew on there. Wow, there's a lot. You know, this is, is like territory I've covered a lot. But have not made these kinds of connections. Well, and it kind of comes back to when I think we mentioned a few weeks ago when Paul said, you know, I don't want to know anything but Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. And that not being a statement of reductionist, right? You know, no. that's, that that's some no. sort of, you know, right. slogan. Yeah. But the minute I can unpack fully and understand the notion of the anointed one of God yeah. being crucified mm-hmm. by the, at the hands of the people he was supposed to be delivering us from, the right. minute I get that... And to have a resurrected Christ who was crucified. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard people talk about that, that, that just the appearance of a resurrection, because the Jews believe that only the righteous are being resurrected, right? Oh, so okay. now yeah. Yeah. you've right. got yeah. Jesus, cursed, cursed is one who we assumed, you know, he's hanging on a tree and he's, he's cursed. And now he's been, he's appeared directly to him on the road. Yeah. Now all of a sudden everything about scripture is upside down for him, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's run into a brick wall. And and so but it, you're right, it's happening that way of change rechanging the way he's reading is happening on a road in the same way that Emmaus is for them too. Right. And so I've just only been thinking about this an hour, but there's all all throughout the Corinthian correspondence, especially Second Corinthians, he talks about 
fulfilling up the suffering in his own body. He's, his identification mm. with Christ is so profound. Yeah. You know, like his full speech in Second uh, Corinthians 12. He's right. saying, oh, you, you chasing after these super apostles. You crazy super apostles. Well, here's Let me my tell you my res- yeah, resume here. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I've been beaten this many times and stoned by the, you know, and Jews and thieves, Gentiles. hungry, and, cold. And, yeah, drift in the sea. And my day job's no picnic. This okay? hand don't work. In a tent, man. can't see out his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Paul. We get it. We get it. We get it. So wow. Yeah. So it's like I'm still. So it's it's very. Paul called to be apostle to the church, who's called to be saints, um, to all those who call on the name of the Lord, (laughs) together with all those who call on the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So there's that play too. So is that what you're seeing here? Plus then, and it's 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 language of um, Israel being called the sanctified in Christ Jesus. A lot of stuff that's that's. Um, the bread and butter of Israel being called apart and set apart. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about that Abraham story yeah. to ultimately become a light to the nations. Well, this is uh, wholeheartedly being applied to largely a Gentile congregation and all mm-hmm. his Gentile congregations. It's like it's it's rather audacious. Um, the many reverberations and overlap of like, wait a minute, I thought that was spoken of about Israel, but now it's being spoken about of the Gentiles also. And wait a minute, wasn't that suffering servant? Well, who was that suffering servant? And then New Testament is like, well, it's truly fulfilled in Christ, but Paul is adopting that language too in his identification or extension of the work of Christ. And, oh, he's mentioning that uh, um, all, all those who are called of Jesus, you know, are, are called, you know, that call, mm-hmm. um, as, I was, as I was hearing a little bit of call of Isaiah in the, in some of your readings, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if they're reading um, Suffering Servant and, and, and the call that way along mm-hmm. with some of this. So mm. so this, when I began to see that, like I didn't pay attention too closely to this text anymore because there's a lot I can say about right, this text, but right. it really got me going on all this language that's in Paul yeah. you know, about, about suffering and his, his profound identification with Christ. Very interesting to think about that in light of uh, the servant Mm-hmm. Passages. Well, and then it's interesting if you're thinking of it in terms of the servant and the servant being disfigured. Yeah, I mean that that's part of the suffering of the servant is mm-hmm. his disfigurement and his punishment and his, you know, that nothing he was ultimately innocent, but the world persecutes. I mean that language for the church, uh-huh. right? This notion yeah. of the persecutions that are they're now going to be in, the body, their body is going to endure and be disfigured for and yeah. Boy, you can you can do a lot with it. Well, Have people and, done that? <laughs> Have you read people who did this? I know you've only been digesting this for a little I, bit. But. Uh, there's there are people who talk about. It. And the thing was interesting reading through, glancing through this article is that I'm thinking of stuff just before they say it. You know, oh, just yeah, before yeah. You, yeah. it's like. And that's but what about the church and the church? Oh, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, good, thank oh, you. That reminds me of the road to Emmaus, and then they start to talk about the road to Emmaus. You know, it's wow. like oh wow, this is very cool. So those are you know. I think those are natural connections because I'm making them about 30 seconds before I read before them. The, before the article is making them. So yeah. nothing else, you and this article writer yeah. are in good shape. Yeah. So it makes it, it makes me want to revisit this language of suffering in Paul and yeah. also uh, how it's called into Because I teach that, when I teach Revelation, um, the thing that's distinctive about Revelation amongst other apocalypses is that um, apocalyptic can be, uh, the, the genre can be a pretty much, it can be... Um, we're okay, but the world's messed up and God's going to take care of it, right? right. As a prophecy right. is more like, here's what's wrong with you. Right. And you guys get your act together and repent and God will partner with well, you. Well, yeah, because, well, prophecy is, is written to individuals in power. 
and apocalyptics are written to those who aren't. The margin, yeah, yeah the margin out of power. Right. And, so and, with, the, with the people in power, it's you people need to get your act together and take care of the poor. God gave you power and position for a yeah, reason. Yeah. And so use that power and position to uplift the poor and the marginalized, which is what Torah told you to do. Right. right? And so so revelation is comes in the form of an apocalypse, which is a which is the language of the marginalized. Of the marginalized, right. But it calls itself a prophecy. Right. More than anything else. And what's distinctive about it, if you st- if you're saying it's a it's a prophetic and a, apocalypse and a, and a letter, yes, it's all those. Um, this isn't if wait. There's <laughs> but wait, it's also it's a, a letter. letter. It's amazing. This book has everything. Yeah. yeah. What's distinctive about it, in, in in contrast to other, say, plots of other apocalypse, would be that Christ establishes a king. Uh, you know, um, Christ comes and suffers and dies. It's a the lamb. It's mm-hmm. lamb. Theology, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Lamb on the throne. Um, what's revealed over the course of Revelation, after the seals are broken, is that oh, it's not that the church just waits for God to do it. The church plays a vital role in establishing this universal kingdom, the and, kingdom and the salvation of the nations. Okay. And that is God establishes a people who suffer, who enter into His suffering, and it's the testimony of. The martyrs. The martyrs. Yeah. And every Christian in Revelation is a martyr, is depicted mm. symbolically as a martyr. It's their suffering, faithful witness and suffering unto death that brings about the conversion of the nations. So this role of suffering is it's not foreign to the, to the Gospels. It's not foreign to the Apocalypse. It's prevalent in, in, in Paul's writings, but I've never kind of had a coherent... Mm. Uh, framework to put it all together yeah it's really uh, so got me thinking which is why servant. you were hitting me with the, when i was stuff. griping about more servant yeah, passages well, this is, since you were because since we talked at lunch and you were a little bit on more servant language but yeah. since then i was like wait a minute turns out the whole new testament is servant language servant is what you're telling is me kind of important all right wow. i'll pay attention yeah. so wow that's that's great that's amazing yeah so yeah i gotta so you want to talk about corinthians gotta, at all <laughs> Well, I'm glad you mentioned the middle part because what I got stuck on is the call. The call, how you're, that's a call to uh, enter into this. Uh, when, when Paul talks about himself as being called. Yeah. And, I, and, and then this and new, revel, new understanding for me. Yeah, I'm going to focus on the God part. Oh, okay, just got you know, it. Uh, and uh, then he's sharing that. He's saying you also are called. Uh, I'm 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 kind of unpacking that those kind of bookends of the call of Paul, the beginning of this passage, and the call of the uh, uh, God is faithful by Him. You were called into the fellowship of His sons. Very, it's more emphatic than I thought, and then I have a lot more to, to uh, wrestle with. And what does mm-hmm. that mean to be called? Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's got me. Wow, I'm really kind of excited to go and trace this out in Paul's letters. And well, I don't not, often talk about being excited about it. I'm not optimistic because yeah, that yeah. sounds like you're going to lead us to need to suffer with Christ, and I'm not a big yeah, fan of that. Yeah, right. maybe because it can't mean that. That's why i got to suss it out. got to keep reading. Yeah, right. I don't want it to mean yeah, that. possibly mean that. Yeah, yeah. crucified yeah. with Christ? What? Uh, yeah. Who would say that? Yeah, it's good. yeah. so i got to get to what it really means, yeah. okay. uh, which might be something closer to what the Corinthians already believe. Right. Right. Or king's kids reigning with Jesus. Yeah. That's basically their theology. Hey, that's why Paul does all these later. Oh, oh, I wish you were kings, air quotes. I wish you, we did reign with you, air quotes, deep knee bend. You know? he's, just, he's just poking holes in that theology all the way around. Oh. You sense tone in Paul? Yes. yes I, I, there, I hope so. If not, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, that's great. Yeah, so more on that later. 
Okay, good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Let's look at John then. <laughs> I can tell. John, well, I am. I'm okay. curious at where you're going now. John 1, 29 to 42. The next day, which feels like we've jumped into something here, didn't it? Someone described cycle A as Matthew and a little bit of John. And, you know, John. John. (laughs) So, but we jumped right into something the next day. Yeah, right. um, After what? What just happened? He saw Jesus. He did. Uh, coming toward him and John, decla- John, John, John the Baptist, yeah. the baptizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, John saw. Okay, John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, "Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me." I hope John has exactly how he says it I in the prologue. Hope John has charts because I, I know he's a, he's a, his role is not a Baptist but a, a, a witness, and it's like, can you read back the transcript? <laughs> I don't know what John just said. See, if I'm here, he's ahead of me because he's before me because right. he's after me. Did you? Everybody get that? Good. No. Verse thirty-one. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here's the Lamb of God. I just told you this yesterday if you'd been paying attention. Verse 37. (laughs) The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. Apparently, they didn't hear him the day before. Uh, Verse 38. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? No, don't, not that. (laughs) No. (laughs) What are you? (laughs) Tone is good sometimes. (laughs) No, that's not right. Not always. Dang it. It's interpretive. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? For. What do you what do you what, see, what do you seek? What, like do you seek? what do you seek? What do you seek? They said to him. Still, they kind of have an attitude. Ah, what do? He's <laughs> not irritated. Rabbi, <laughs> <laughs> I am no rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? Now, there's uh, that's nice. It's nice to see someone ask answer Jesus's question with a question for a change. That's good. Uh, 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 he said to them, uh, "Come and see." Mm-hmm. They came and saw uh, where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's like I was just thinking. There's not much detail. They came. Where are you saying? Come and see. They came and saw. It's like not much detail. But he's just going to mention what time, what of day time it was. It was like, about four. Oh, maybe flesh that out. It's like I'm there. Flesh that out. Wow. It's like afternoon. I'm walking. Like I'm One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Uh, and he he first found his brother Simon and said to him, "We found the Messiah," which is translated anointed. Uh, he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, "You are Simon." Son of John, you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Oh. Okay. I thought he was son of Jonah. Uh, yeah, that is... Is that a translation Simon, thing there? son of... Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. This translation went John. Yeah, it went John. Does Jesus say John? I mean, does John say John? In John? <laughs> Where? This is John. What no, do you mean? John 42. Does it say John in John? I'd have to look that up. All right. It doesn't. I would need more That's sleep. really not that important. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm sort of focusing on the minor part of this passage. It becomes vaguer in, in the Greek. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Let's see, see that. Yeah. Any who's um, Yeah, this is one of the first titles. What are you looking for? Well, here, let me just, <laughs> while I'm thinking about it, this is exactly how John is depicted as speaking in the prologue. Oh. Where... 
uh, one of the reasons that people noticed the uh, these chiastic or inverted parallelism is that John shows up twice and he does exactly the same thing. He's a witness, okay. right? And um, the second time he shows up in the prologue is 15. John testified about him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I before he existed before me. Oh, well, this one actually translates a little bit different. He who comes after me is before me for he existed before me. So it's like, what is John saying? Well, this is I like this one because you need charts for it. After yeah. me comes a man who's ahead of me because he was before me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, what can, yeah, read back the transcript. Uh, and yet he was very popular, <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> well, people were trying to understand what he was saying. Yeah, nothing about his belt. Here. This must be good. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, okay, I'm I'm fascinated, and someone pointed. I mean, I think I might have actually had my PhD <clears throat> when someone pointed out to me, you know, Jesus isn't baptized in John. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And I never. In oh, fact, yeah. I yeah. probably would have read this passage and, in my mind, heard a baptism because of the oh, sure. yeah, spirit descending, and I saw that happen. We do that and, all the time. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I, just so there's no baptism in John. Kind of relativizes baptism. It, it relativizes it? Well, we were talking about it when we were looking at Matthew, saying one of the ways to read Matthew, the exchange between John and mm-hmm. Jesus and Matthew, is like, well, I'm baptized, but here, what I need is your baptism. Right. You know, my baptism is some is preparatory and pointing toward your baptism. Right. Right. So it's kind of, it's, it's like, it's to the, it's a very mavericky, Johannine sort of thing. Like, well, let's just skip the baptism. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You baptize He skips no. other things, like the Lord's Supper. And, he does. And, I know. Uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of things that he knows you know. So John, yeah, you believe he's that poking. John he's knows that we know yes. all of this stuff. Absolutely. So Absolutely. he's telling us this without telling us this, knowing we know this, just to say, hey, you skipped my favorite right, didn't part. I, uh, I love the baptism. Didn't I read a paper? You did. And that, was, that was a remarkable paper. Well, we have more time. We'll have to talk. <laughs> but in which you created a joke that was absolute art. Um, and and you were in the back of the room with popcorn. This I is was. at a official grown-up professional scholar's yeah, meeting. So we're supposed to be professional grown-up scholars, and the, probably the only reason I attended this session was because I knew that you had a joke come to you in the shower that you said, I have to work in this paper. And you were live-tweeting it. Oh, it was amazing. The best part of it was the characters that you had created as caricatures in your joke were presenting right in front of you at this meeting. That was the best part. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> person was supposed and to And it be. had the line, had had John, the disciple, saying, uh, it, had, it had Peter saying to John, who died and made you Pope? <laughs> yeah, they had John saying no, to John Peter. Saying to John Peter. saying to Peter, who, <laughs> who died, died and made you Pope. That was the big punchline. Oh my yeah, so you can imagine the... Now, I think that that's fairly obvious. I think they don't need any more detail than that on our yeah, podcast. Yeah, I think you get the picture. It's a, a picture of who we are. I don't know that they get the joke. <laughs> Sometimes I have to remind myself, did that really happen? <laughs> so, so yes, most people don't take the opportunity in a professional meeting to do that kind of thing. I'm going to try out some new material at this yeah. one. You're going to workshop. I got some stuff about airline food, but I think I'm going to do the John stuff. <laughs> so, And then how the West Coast is so different from the East Coast. That's right. People from New York, right? Am I right? What's the deal with that? Women, am I right? Um, oh, what were we talking about? I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Uh-huh. And this is the one that baptized with the Holy Spirit. I mean, so I, I promise you I would have read this and thought, oh, there's a baptism here. But there's mm-hmm. not a baptism. No, no. Is is there any Every, reason beyond John being a just a snot that he's doing this? Is there a theological John thing? the uh, evangelist? John the, no, yeah. no, John the evangelist, yeah, yeah leaving right. out. Author of the fourth gospel. Yeah, leaving. He's a maverick, and he, he's wants, a maverick. he wants to make sure you get it, get the stuff. Because because 
I think all of them, other than Mark, you could say Mark, Mark is doing the same thing because Mark opens up with Isaiah pointing to Isaiah. The Isaiah quote points to the coming of John and everything John does points to the coming of Jesus. So in a sense, John's baptism always privileges Jesus, always points to the baptism that he's going to bring. Right. And Luke puts it in the background, makes it all participle. Says after Jesus was baptized, it's all background information. Okay. And then in Matthew, it's a conversation. Wait, I don't. Why am I baptizing you? Really, the important thing is the yeah. baptism. I need your baptism. So, so they're all doing that, and John's just taking it further. He always takes it as far as you can go. So John is skips it. John is skipping it because you you might misunderstand if you. Yeah. I mean, he wants you to get the point of it without getting caught up in the details. Mm-hmm. I mean, is mm-hmm. that it? I mean, yeah. the point is that Jesus's baptism is what matters. Yeah. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is important. And I'm like, not going to put anything. It's that's not unlike what he says in his conversation with the uh, Samaritan woman, He's saying, "You know, uh, this mountain or the other. The important thing is." Time's coming when people are going to worship in spirit and truth. Okay. This temple or the temple in Jerusalem, you know. Well, actually, it's not saying either or saying no. Truth is, you know, yeah. salvation comes from the Jews. But the time is coming when it won't be on this mountain or that mountain. Yeah. The time of the spirit. And so uh, I think what makes John's gospel different is that there's a person who's lived the life of the spirit for 60, 70, you know, years. Yeah. And is reflected on that, and kind of like, yeah, he's gonna gonna focus on that. Let's focus on what's important against the background of this more common t- Christian tradition, which is which is could be understood to be common tradition at the turn of the turn of the first century. Okay. And now you you said no tone, and what are you looking for? What are you looking? What well, are you looking what for? Are you looking not, for? <laughs> I sense tone in your question about no, tone. A little bit. I said, uh, teacher. <laughs> Uh, how you doing? How you how you doing? He said, well, come and see how I'm doing. It was about four. <laughs> so it's about four. It's four-ish. It's four-ish. four-ish. That we were doing all this. <laughs> so these guys, John, Jonah, what? You know, it only took us about seven podcasts to really become ourselves, did it? <laughs> I mean, true. that's really and a lot of lack of sleep. Yeah, that helps too. Lack of sleep. Yeah, Maybe that's, that's true. The secret. That's the secret. We well, before I get there, since it's an infomercial, let me oh, just okay. point out why he's saying Lamb of God here. One of the reasons, since you're asking, I, I was <laughs> couldn't wait to find out. I'll forget. I'll right. forget. Because uh, this is one of the first titles. Uh, oh, Lamb of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is Lamb this is this is uh, unique to John. Well, right? There's a lot of titles, but by, by the time you get to the end of the, of, uh, the first chapter, all the titles are used up. Yeah, it's like he's called Son of God. Uh, John, uh, Simon's already called, you know, uh, Peter. You know, it's kind of like, wow, you covered a lot of ground here. That that didn't happen until halfway through the other gospels. That's yeah. true. Yeah, everything happens right in this this second half of the first chapter. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? And all this, all these titles and all these things, people already know these things. So he's he's another. You know, this, it's funny you say all that. You know what it reminds me of? And we we've just as a family gotten into the musical uh, show Galavant. Yeah, yeah. And and the opening song is like five minutes long, and in the opening song. Um, his true love, you, they identify the characters. His true love's been kidnapped by a nearby king. Uh, it's the royal wedding day, uh, and he's on his way to save. And it's like in this five minutes, it's what you would expect oh, the whole, that, that the whole fairy tale yeah, yeah, yeah. plot to right. be, you know, where she's kidnapped and taken away and she's being forced to marry the king and he's going to blackmail her and all this stuff. And it's the first, it's just the first five it's minutes. Not, it's that's not, not that story. It's a, it's a riffing, it's a riffing story. off it's a of that traditional of that story. story. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In case you don't, you know, you know the story I'm talking you about. You know the story where the guy gets kidnapped, the yeah, king kidnaps yeah. her and he has to go right. rescue her and right. he fights his yeah. way through the crowd and he walks right. down and he says, I can offer, I mean, it's the big, it's like five minutes and it's yeah. the whole, that's a whole 
title wow. if you're Homer. You know, I, exactly, like, exactly. I thought this was going to be the show. Yeah. I thought I saw this coming. Right. And that's what you're saying is happening in John 1 here, right? right? The, yeah, you know the show. You know the, you know this you know the, story, you know right? Well, let me tell you what it means. You know. Okay. Let me riff on that a little bit. In a way, that's uh, mavericky, but also is uh, he's doing it in a way to preserve the meaning of the tradition. That's interesting. Because the, the theology, we were just talking about this in... Uh, <laughs> we both turn to look at the clock. <laughs> we should we should uh, do a flow chart of the digressions on this podcast. That's true. But we we're talking about this. We we're comparing John thirteen, the foot washing, with Philippians two, uh, maybe one mm-hmm. of the earliest nice. Christian hymns. Yeah. Okay, about though being the form of God, uh, uh, um, humbling himself, taking the form of servant, mm-hmm. being obedient mm-hmm. to death, and therefore God has exalted him, given a name above all names. Well, if you. It, charged with the drama of foot washing. He takes his robes off, wraps mm-hmm. and dresses like a servant, mm-hmm. serves other people, puts his robes back on, and then talks about it, the fact that he's Lord. Okay? And okay. the fact that these are not contradictory things, but this is because God's... We sometimes read Philippians 2. It's like, even though he's God, he held his nose and did all this stuff, and then he was God again. Right. But, it's no, but it's what it's saying, and what Jesus is saying in John 13 uh, is that, no, precisely because this is God's character... This is what Jesus is going to reveal that God is like. Okay. God is serving. God is oriented toward others, uh, is concerned with his creation enough to enter into his creation and serve it mm. to the point of taking, uh, humbling himself, even to the point of death, even a heinous death on the cross. Mm. Therefore, God has exalted him. I know I'm seeing it a little bit different as I, as I just narrated to you. It's like... Uh, Precisely because he was in the precisely because he's God, he does these kinds of things, and therefore he's exalted. You know, it's not like, like oh, that's over with. Therefore, we're going to exalt him. Like no, all of these reveal the unique. We interrupt this exalting to be a servant. No, yeah, yeah, no, that's not it. All of these, and 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 the servant actually shows why he should be exalted. He's revealed God's full fullness of God's character. Which is unique, unique, unique. We have that as one that precisely because he's God is God and his character is such, he's going to do this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's not despite the fact, it's precisely because of the Because fact. of that's the nature yeah. of who God is. Right. And I don't know where that regression started, but we were doing that in church. What are you looking at was where we were coming yeah, from. Yeah, and he's doing creative things with foot washing. And he leaves out Lord's Supper because he wants to retain the meaning of the Lord's Supper as the same theology of like, you're, I want you to understand the climax of my service, coming to you, incarnation, serving you to the point of death. And let me use these symbols of bread and wine, okay, mm-hmm. bread being broken and poured out for you. And to reflect upon that. So both of you have a lens to understand what's going to happen tomorrow. And also you're going to uh, reflect on this as a part of Christian tradition. Yeah. So, um, of course, that's not in John. He leaves right. that part out and expresses that same theology through foot washing. Through foot washing. Yeah. But what's interesting is that, and the day is different in John. The day they have, the, they have that meal together is not uh, the Passover meal. It's the day before. before so that when Jesus is actually... Uh, is condemned mm-hmm. and then uh, crucified are the hours in which the priests the are priest would slaughter the lambs. slaughtering the lambs, right? right? Yeah. So behold, the Lamb of God is uh, significant, and yeah. it's not it's not casual. It's not a, a piecemeal sort of thing. It's like woven all the way through, mm-hmm. so, building toward crucifixion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, Jesus's question: What are you looking for? Right? Yeah, what are you looking for? Back to that, right. And you didn't like my tone. So yeah. What is he saying? Yeah. If that's not what he's saying. Well, why uh, you keep following we, we had me? I've gone by twice now. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, what is yeah. he saying? Right. And what verse? Are, where is that? Uh, that is 38. Okay. When Jesus turned and saw them following. He said to them, What are you looking What do you seek? What do you seek? Oh. They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? 
And he said to them, come and see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, there was some tone there, right? Come and see. Come and see. That was my tone. I don't, I don't know if Jesus said it that way. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained, or they abided with him that day. And it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And that might mean, now that I think about it, it might mean like, oh, hey, it's supper time. Oh, okay. And like, uh, oh, the, we're going we're gonna to spend the night here. It's not like they okay. hung out that afternoon. It's like, oh, uh, like... Um, um, like when he's going through Jericho and he's going to pass through, but then he spends the day, at, spends the spends time at Zacchaeus', yeah, Zacchaeus house. house. Anyway, it, it's it's like a, it might imply a meal together, might imply staying okay. overnight. But the imagery is there's this trajectory of discipleship in John, which is coming to Jesus, having a a divine encounter, a revelatory encounter with Jesus. Um, Obey, remaining in his word and then dwelling with him, mm-hmm. abiding with him. So these themes come up. Uh, this imagery is in the prologue. This imagery, uh, you see it dramatized, but you also see it unpacked in very long discourses mm-hmm. beginning in 15. Mm-hmm. The question is, where are you going, uh, Jesus? And, and, and this language of abiding in him and the vine. <clears throat> and so gotcha. discipleship is... I haven't expressed it this way, but but in light of time, I should probably say discipleship in John is coming to Jesus, abiding in him, uh, God being revealed through Jesus, and then entering into that life which he shares with the Father. So this language of, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, this imagery that's more philosophical at the beginning of the prologue, John 1.1, 1, 1, is fleshed out in more relational and familial language in 18 it says uh, the only begotten son is in the bosom of the mm-hmm. father it's both about being with god but it's more intimate and communal and what john models in the gospel for um for other believers is that that's available to everyone okay. that, that Christ, through Christ, we're invited into participating in that communion and life and abiding in God and God abiding in us, which is the upper room discourse right. over right. 15, 16, 17, right? Yeah. Uh, and at the Last Supper, the imagery that you had with Jesus in relationship to the Father is in the bosom of the Father mm-hmm. at the Last Supper, which they don't eat in John, right. who's in that, that, which is the image of being on the right hand of someone who's right. reclining around a meal, uh, which is on the floor. Uh, that's the honored Position. That's an intimate position. You might actually be leaning against their, someone's, um, mm-hmm. you know, chest, and so that's the image you have of Jesus. But at the Last Supper, who's there? It's the beloved disciple. Yeah, the beloved disciple. So he's saying, not like, look at me, I'm a favorite. No, he's saying, hey, this is available to everyone. So there's this progression again and again throughout the the uh, the gospel. It's a movement from uh, uh, being intrigued, mm-hmm. coming to Jesus, having this revelation of God this conversion experience, and then dwelling with Jesus. So you okay. see that in numerous places. You see that with the conversion of the Samaritans. Like mm-hmm. We used to believe, uh, because of what you said, Samaritan woman, but now see. we've heard him ourselves, and, they, and he dwelt with them. Yeah. Okay. So that's not like she really wasn't the first evangelist or apostle. Some people say, well, she wasn't really you know, functioning as an apostle or an evangelist. They say, and yes, she was, because that's the paradigm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And and in John, no one converts anyone else. Uh, you bring someone to Jesus, and, and Jesus converts them directly. Yeah. So what happens is someone has an encounter with Jesus. You see a couple of occasions of that. Right. Someone has an encounter, 
and then they go and get someone else. Right. And then we'll see, like, well, he's from Nazareth. We could come, well, we'll come and Nazareth. see. Yeah. Come, come and, and see. see. And there's this really good recent uh, <clears throat> jo- film on John that's just using the words of of John. And, and at those scenes, uh, there's a there's Peter's already been converted, and there's a, someone else being invited. And they're like sitting at a table, and someone else is invited. We'll come and see. And they kind of look at each other, like, this should be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really well done. It's really mm-hmm. like, we, oh, this will be good. Because. No one, there's no um, secondary revelation. It doesn't come through another believer. It comes mm-hmm. through an encounter with Jesus, which who reveals God to us. So again and again, there's these, there's these ways that John dramatizes that and then unpacks it in the Upper Room Discourse, mm-hmm. that it's, it's this direct connection and, and abiding with God and entering into the life of God. And uh, I think that's why this is much more emphasized in the Orthodox tradition, you know, mm-hmm. participati- participation in the life of God. And we kind of shy away from our language of our becoming divine in some sense because in the context of our theology, we only deal with heretics who talk about that sort of stuff. Right, but right. it's coherent in Orthodox theology, and that's mm-hmm. why they gravitate toward the Johannine writings. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so things happen really rapidly here, you know. We found the Messiah, really. They're, they're confessing him as Messiah. As Messiah early on. When it's only, it's only halfway through the gospel, the other uh, synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where where Peter confesses Jesus as Messiah. And right. then his name is changed to, right. uh, well, Simon confesses and his name is changed to Peter. So. But here we're 41 verses in. It's yeah, it's all happening now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, neat. Yeah, yeah there's a lot going on. Well, that was that was good. We had a lot in it today. <laughs> not much. Yeah. Uh, we just need to not sleep. I that, think that's I think the that's, secret. Boy, I don't. And what, maybe grouse a bit before we. Yeah, that's true. Complain know. a little bit, and then we're in good shape. So, well, it's great. always a well, safe bet. <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening again, uh, and uh, hope you continue this journey with us. Blessings. Right. I hope it was coherent and follow. You could follow it. If not, just make a flow chart. It's all. It makes sense. Trust <laughs> I us. Promise. Trust I promise. us. Blessings. Yeah.